Hello everyone, welcome and welcome back to the podcast. I've been meaning to watch that. I am your one and only host, Monica, and I hope you guys are having a great day. Today, I'm going to be talking about two movies that I've recently rewatched, and these both of these movies came out in 2018, I believe, and the movies are Sorry to Bother You and Black Klansmen, and I really like these movies. I love the subject matter of the films, and I love... Um, Spike Lee, who is a veteran filmmaker and an amazing director, and Boots Riley, who is a musician, and he wrote this movie in 2012, but he also wrote an album from the same name and a book. So now this film has come out, and it's been out for like about two years, so if you haven't seen it, you should really go watch it. And you should go see, um, you should watch Black Klansman because it's really good. I really enjoy both of these movies and they're really great and I want to talk about the similarities of the films, the differences, what I like about them, what I've learned from them, and the things that I don't like about them. And if you're new to this podcast, hi, my name is Monica. This is a film this is a podcast where I talk about movies and TV shows. I talk about movies and TV shows that I'm kinda like late on. And I also talk about movies and TV shows that I love and I don't see other people talking about them, so I'm going to talk about them and I'm going to like dive deep into them and if that interests you and if that's something that you really like to listen to feel free to subscribe i should also let you know this is not like a formal like uh review podcast you know i don't watch things right when they come on netflix i usually wait a long while to talk about stuff and i made this podcast just for fun it's not gonna be a well formatted well constructed podcast i will be all over the place talking about stuff But I hope that you enjoy and you listen and that you subscribe and you share with your friends. And if you have any suggestions on movies and TV shows you want me to talk about, feel free to email me at I've been meaning to the number two at gmail.com. So let's get into it. So first I want to talk about Black Klansman because that's the movie I recently watched and I loved it so much. It was so great. I love Spike Lee's films. I do find that sometimes they are a bit heavy-handed, and I do have a problem with some of his films, but Black Klansman was a pretty good movie, although I was hesitant to watch it because it was a film about a black man wanting to be a police officer, and I didn't feel that positive about the movie because it seemed like a very stark contrast to his film Do the Right Thing, which honestly should have won Best Picture. And uh, I really do, I did like end up liking this film. You know, it's about two hours long and basically it stars Ron Stallworth. He becomes the first black cop in Colorado Springs. And you know, he joins and he first starts working in the records room. He doesn't like the records room so they move him to intelligence. They have him uh, go to a black student union meeting where Kwame Ture, also known as Stokely Carmichael, was giving a speech and he was talking about how um, they need to like talk. It was an amazing speech. It was so great. And his speech was basically like, you know, talking about how the war in Vietnam was illegal and immoral. And basically um, they had Ron Stallworth go to this meeting because they wanted to know if these black kids were going to organize or like react in violence in any kind of way and I'm not really going to go beat by beat over this movie I'm just going to tell you how I felt and honestly 
I did like this film. I thought it was really great. I thought it was very interesting. Um, in the first, uh, I remember watching Stokely, Stokely Carmichael, right? That character. Let me see if I can find the actor's name. I don't want to refer- okay. The actor's name is Corey Hawkins. So Corey Hawkins played Kwame Toure, who was a prominent Trinidadian organizer in the civil rights movement in the United States. And uh, Corey Hawkins playing Kwame Toure, he was giving this very powerful, amazing speech. And as you watch, you know, they zoom in on other black people's faces as they were like transfixed on his words. And also Ron Stallworth was transfixed on his words and the two white cops who are listening to what he's saying through the wire that he is wearing. And the thing that really got to me about this film was that after um, Ron Stallworth leaves the meeting, there are these cops that pull over the students, the college students who are taking Kwame Ture back to his hotel room. There are these cops that pull them over and harass them. So the next day Kwame Ture has to get on the plane and leave, otherwise they're gonna be in some trouble or something like that. And I, it makes me so, it hurts me that that happened, you know, and the character, uh, let me see if I can get her name real quick. Uh, Laura Harrier, 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 Laura Harrier, I think that's her name. She plays Patrice Dumas, who is the president of the Black Student Union, who I love. I love Patrice so much. She's my favorite character in the movie. She specifically was harassed by one of the cops who was pretty much a butt face. And when she tells Ron what happened to her, he kind of just like, oh, come on, let's dance. Like he pushes past it. And that's kind of my biggest problem with this movie because the film surrounds Ron Stallworth and his plot to take down the KKK. This film is based off of a true story of Ron Stallworth who was, uh, it's based off the 2014 memoir Black Klansman by Ron Stallworth, an actual person, and it talks, it's surrounding this investigation that he actually did in 1978 and 1979, and the film was set in 1972, which kind of contradicts history because David Duke didn't become Grand Wizard until 1974, and Ron Stallworth, he actually did this because this is based on a true story and the film obviously dramatizes some of the events because it's a movie and Stallworth uh he basically went undercover into the KKK to try and take them down but as we know from history and as we like the KKK is bad like we all know this and one thing I do love about this movie is that in the beginning of the film, like in the very beginning, it has a seed from Gone with the Wind, which was the highest grossing film in history. But the film, Gone with the Wind is racist and it also shows um, Alec Baldwin, who plays a member of the KKK, talking about the uh, film Birth of a Nation. And also later in the film, there are a bunch of Klansmen and women who are married to Klansmen uh, all gather together in a church and they're all watching the film Birth of a Nation. The thing that I like most about that these three scenes is that it shows that history isn't far behind us but also it's embedded in our film history. You know, if you've ever been in a film class, people love to talk about Tarantino and important films like Stanley Kubrick 
and um, Martin Scorsese, filmmakers like that, and how those movies change cinema, and how like The Wizard of Oz, The Technicolor, really changed how we see movies and CGI and things of that nature. But people don't really dive into like the his the racist history of film, and how films change the perspectives of how you see the people around you. You know, when Birth of a Nation came out, it was considered a blockbuster and that reignited the KKK to rise up again and start burning crosses again. It rebirthed the KKK. And even, I think it was President Woodrow Wilson, he showed it and he said how this movie was like a game changer or something of that nature. He talked about how important this film is. And movies aren't just movies, you know. What you put in movies, what you say in movies, it impacts how people see other people and birth of a nation you know brought up more racist ideals that white people had and it brought the kkk back to life and this is my problem with the film right because in the film um ron stallworth He's reading the paper and he sees an ad that says, if you'd like to join the KKK, that's essentially what the ad says, uh, give us a call. And he calls the number and he sets up a meeting with a Klansman and he tries to talk to his chief into letting him, you know, try and set up a sting operation with the Klans people. But he doesn't want, the chief doesn't want him to do it because they're going to know, because they, um, Obviously, there's a problem with like Ron Stallworth, the black man, going to meet the KKK. So instead, he asked his partner Flip, who is played by Adam Driver, to do it instead. Excuse me. And I love this movie, but like, I'm sorry. I I'm very emotional because I I like the movie for what it is, but at the same time, I kind of hate the movie. I hate the idea of the police investigating the KKK because there have been reports that cops are friends with white supremacists or cops are white supremacists and I know that the show Watchmen covers that. You know, if you haven't watched the show Watchmen, it's an HBO show and it's based off of the Watchmen comics that were written by Alan Moore in the 80s and it's basically a continuation of those comics set in present day where the cops all have to wear masks because there was a night where um an organization called oh gosh i don't remember exactly what they're called but they were warshack masks and they went into cops houses and they killed them in their sleep so cops had to start wearing masks to protect their identities to protect them from these like the new age KKK group in the show and the thing that is uncovered in Watchmen sorry for spoiling Watchmen for you right now but like they figure out that like the chief of police worked with the new age KKK group to kill the cops so that they could wear masks and they uncovered a conspiracy and the show centers around how you know cops wore masks but it allowed them to be more violent and to act like vigilantes without any form of consequences without thinking about their actions and that's how cops act now with granted immunity they just do whatever they want and since they never got in trouble for what they did before they won't get in trouble again 
and that's what allows police stations to pay out so much money in lawsuits rather than arresting cops who kill people who are unarmed. And in this movie, Black Klansman, it tries to show the cops trying to take down the KKK and be the good guys. You know, there are all these cops that are like helping him out, like helping Ron Stallworth. And eventually they do like take down the Ku Klux Klan. But there's one cop who's like been outwardly racist and outwardly bad. And he gets arrested as well because he openly was racist to Ron Stallworth and his girlfriend, Patrice Dumas. But... In the book, Stallworth and the other officers never work to secretly expose or arrest a racist cop like in the movie. He did mention in the memoir that there was an officer who shot and killed a young boy but was protected by fellow law enforcement officers just like that cop did in the movie. And when Flip tells Ron Stallworth that they did that, Ron, Flip Ron Stallworth is like, why would you, you know, defend your... Um, fellow co-worker who did that why would you stand by him and he says you know we're a brotherhood we're a family we support each other we have each other's backs and that's how cops are now you know cops would rather let police officers who killed a black woman who was simply sleeping in her home they would let them continue to just live and work and go shopping and live a normal life rather than arrest these men for murder because they don't want to and whenever cops speak up against other racist cops they get fired from their jobs because they seem to they are seen as disloyal to the badge but if you are so concerned with protecting someone who is a murderer then you're probably in the wrong job and that person is unfit for the position that they have another problem i have with this movie is that like it's a black guy who wants to be a cop you know the movie is set in the 70s and like how is it that you are a black person who lived through the statesboro like sit-ins and the bus riots and cops hosing people down and sending dogs on them and like people can be in the streets and all this other stuff all this other police brutality that was in all the other like terrible terrible racist things that happened in the 50s and 60s right in the street probably wherever you lived how do you see cops enacting all that action and just want to join the police and be part of the police force it's ridiculous it doesn't make sense and also when ron does kind of capture the kkk like puts a stop to their plot because essentially there there are these groups okay so I'm sorry, I said it would be all over the place and I am. So, Flip Zimmerman pretends to be Ron Stallworth. And all the while, when Flip is pretending to be Ron Stallworth, there are these there are these three people in the KKK who create a plot to put a bomb in um, Patrice's mailbox or at the riot. I think it was at the riot. Yeah, they're going to put um, a bomb at the march that Patrice was organizing with the Black Student Union to try and hurt them and these three people are seen as super violent and agitated and extremely racist when everyone else is just a peaceful racist just going about their day and I hate that because you see um these uh these KKK members you know they swore themselves to the white America 
that we all need and deserve and then they turn around and they pretend like they're normal everyday people that just like blend in like with the charlottesville riots there are these men that are just marching through the charlottesville with tiki torches and they were just saying jews would not replace us it's really hard for me to talk about this stuff because racism really pisses me off and it really makes me angry and it's difficult because i know that this movie is trying to put up the moderate and radical um, debate where how do you fight for the liberation of black people can you make change within the racist system that oppresses black people or must or do you have to tear down that oppressive system in order to really be for the liberation of black people and you see that with patrice and um ron stallworth as they keep dating because patrice is all for radical change and a radical movement and ron wants to change stuff from within from within the police system even though they arrest that racist cop within the police within the police that doesn't mean that all the other cops aren't racist because that cop that was racist and it was arrested at the end he killed a young boy a young black boy who was unarmed and all the other cops covered for him and they backed him up and he was still on the police force and it doesn't make sense for them it didn't make sense for them to back him up because it only takes one racist cop to pull the trigger and all the rest of you just cover for his behind and allow him to continue to work in the force because if you're doing that one terrible thing there are so many other terrible things that you have possibly done you know that have hurt many the lives of many black people and we probably don't know about it and probably will not see it and all these other cops are willing to cover for him so it makes you think are these cops really good cops or are they just acting like it you know or are they just faking it you know what happens when like i know that there's a scene near the end of the black Klansman where like ron catches um the wife of one of the kkk members putting the bomb in patrice's mailbox and he like wrestles her down and obviously that's reflexive reflexive of the scene in birth of a nation where black men want to like rape white women and hurt them and black men are seen as savages so when he literally tackles her down because she is holding a literal bomb in her hands she is seen as the victim not as the aggressor and he is seen as someone who's trying to hurt her so when these cops come they you know harass him and he fairly he clearly states that he has a badge like his badge is in his pocket but no so they harass him and she's screaming and she is yelling because she is protected by her whiteness by her femininity by her womanhood because she is seen as the you know this soft fragile flower who's about to be desecrated and raped by this savage black man and that's not the case and also black women and also like black men still deal with this narrative to this day because there are still white women who want to like call the cops on people who are barbecuing or you know threaten people who are walking their dogs in central park there are still white women who still want to act like they are the authority and they are the police if there is something wrong going on like they try to take charge and they don't have that authority or that right and then flip comes in at the nick of time and he's like he's a cop you know he's the good guy and that makes flip seem like a good person and he is but like i don't know i feel like i feel like this movie is just a little too loose on the police you know 
this argument that we can reform the cops, but even when cops have like training to like be less racist, they have still killed people. You know, cops don't, you can't report like sexual assault to the police because they don't want to take action. I have seen so many stories online of women talking about how they wanted to uh, report the racist rapists or get a restraining order against the guy who's stalking them and the police are just like oh well we don't want to ruin his life even though someone has been violated and harassed and has, has to deal with the trauma of somebody else being on their space and <clears throat> making them feel uncomfortable and making them feel safe so they go to the people who are supposed to protect them and keep them safe and they don't want to do that because they'd rather protect the abuser than protect the victim. As great as a filmmaker Spike Lee is, it just, this movie, at the, in the end of the day, kind of rubbed me the wrong way. It is a very well done movie that draws you in on the humor and the absurdity of how these white people simply think that black people are savages and that white is right and that we need to fight for the white America and how Ron Stallworth, the black man, the black detective, was talking on the phone with David Duke throughout this whole movie and yet Ron Stallworth is literally in front of David Duke at one point being his security detail and he couldn't tell that he was the man he was talking to but when he saw Flip Zimmerman pretending to be Ron Stallworth, he immediately thought it was him because the chief of police told Ron Stallworth that David Duke would be able to tell whether to tell the difference between a white man, how a white man talks and how a black man talks, which is racist and also like ridiculous because Ron Stallworth is simply speaking in a normal tone and voice, but he expects him to talk like a jab turkey because he's black and it's ridiculous, you know, it's, it's annoying at most. And when Ron Stallworth is simply just talking to David Duke in person, David Duke just doesn't, he can't tell the difference because he sees him as a black man and he just doesn't listen to his voice. He's not paying attention to him. He doesn't see, you know, his individuality. And yeah, I did like the movie because there are parts of the film that really does like jump out at you. Like when Ron Stallworth was taught, when one of the, the sergeant of the police office was telling Ron that David Duke could be, is trying to separate himself from the Ku Klux Klan and that he doesn't go by Grand Wizard but National Director so that he seems more like an official, like a public official because he may run for public office or he will try and find someone who will run for public office to spread his ideology. And then Ron Stallworth is like, okay, but America would never vote for someone like David Duke. And Sergeant, the sergeant says that that is a naive way of thinking, especially for a black man. And that's obviously um, a nod to Donald Trump being our president right now. And oh no, it's a great film. You know, the ending is very powerful with the footage of the Charlottesville riots showing us that our past is very much present, that we do not learn from past and that history keeps repeating itself because keep, we keep making the same mistakes over and over again the same people are in power and all the change we try to do pushes us back 10 steps but it doesn't mean that we have to stop it doesn't mean we stop fighting there's still 
more work to be done. There is still more change to be made. So now I want to move on to the movie Sorry to Bother You. Now, I love this film. I think it's amazing. I'm really ha I was really happy when this film came out because Lakeith Stanfield, um, he stars in this film and I love Lakeith Stanfield. I've been a huge fan of him since I saw him in Atlanta. I think he's hilarious in Atlanta and I always thought he had like that really cool star power. And the one thing I love about Lakeith Stanfield so much is that he seems like, you know, a weird black guy. And I love that there are more like weird black people in Hollywood now. Like black people breaking down the norms and the boundaries like uh Janelle Monet. I always loved her music I always thought she was amazing and people like Issa Rae who is like awkward and black and super cool and she's incredibly talented and I am so here for everything that she's doing and also Donald Glover who is an amazing amazing um director and like songwriter and actor and just all around he's phenomenal I think he's phenomenal so Let's talk about Sorry to Bother You. Sorry to Bother You is a film that, like I said, I think it is written and directed by Boots Riley. Yeah, it's written and directed by Boots Riley. It stars Keith Stanfield, Tessa Thompson, and um, Danny Glover. It stars Steven Yun. I think it's how you say his last name. I love him so much. He's so hot and amazing. Army Hammer. Uh, Terry Crews, Amari Hardwick, Jermaine Fowler. It's a it's a phenomenal cast and amazing film. So the movie uh, Sorry to Bother You is it's uh, focused on Cassius Green. Cassius Green is a Oakland native who is living in his uncle's garage and he is barely getting by. He has this clinky car and he can only afford to put like 41 cents of gas in the car so he tries to get a job as a telemarketer and he lies on his resume but they don't care and he gets the job and he isn't doing well at first but then his co-worker Danny Glover tells him to put on his white voice to try and make more money because people respond better if he uses his white voice and obviously this is a nod to code twitching at what black people do when we enter a professional setting, we speak in a more professional way because the way black people usually speak in Ebonics or African-American vernacular English isn't seen as professional. So you try to sound more proper and you try to sound more white so that you can get the job you want. And although that isn't the case for like, that it's sometimes the case for also for white people and many people don't see it that way, but in professional settings, quote unquote, usually white people have been in power or the employers or the bosses. So if they, so oftentimes they will want someone who is, who speaks eloquently like they do so that they can hire that person to their job. Because when you speak eloquent, I can't speak. When you speak eloquently, you are seen as more intelligent than speaking in ebonics and slang terms. So Cassius takes on a white voice, like a literal white voice, like David Cross pretends to be a white person as Lakeith Stanfield is pretending to be a white person. It's like, there are layers. So um, David Cross literally was David Cross. I said David Cross, right? Yeah, he's from, I think he's from like Arrested Development or something like that. He voices, Cash's white voice and then 
cash starts getting more money he starts moving up he starts making sales and you know he's able to like move out of his um uncle's garage and he helps his uncle out on his mortgage and him and his girlfriend detroit who's played by tessa thompson you know they're able to like live together in a better apartment and he's doing super well and he's moving up the ladder and then at some point his um employers want to give him a promotion and he's all for the promotion but at the same time he's about to get the promotion his other his friends and other co-workers at regal view they are trying to create a union so that they could get paid more for the work that they do and Cassius has the opportunity to join them in their protests but instead of joining them in their protests he opts out and he decides to live in the luxury life of being in the one percent of being wealthy and the one thing that i really do relate about this movie is capitalism right capitalism is what we are all enslaved to i know this for, for certain like me currently i have a job where my body hurts all the time and i work really hard and i'm doing like the work of other people and i feel like i'm good at this job so i should keep at it and i also have friends at this job so i should stay there but there are points where I'm at work and I really do want to quit and find another job that serves me and makes me happy. But I know that if I go to a different job, it'll just be the same job I'm doing now, but it'll be in a different location with different people. And I'll have different problems there. So why go to another job rather than just stay at the job I'm at right now and try to make it better? You know, capitalism is something that problem that we all have. You know, Cassius, he wants to make more money so that he can get a new car which is like a little luxury but also so he can take care of him and his girlfriend help out his family and be financially comfortable and after he gets that money he kind of wants more he's itching for more he's itching for something greater and that's when he starts to like lose his own consciousness you know there are points in the film where he's speaking in his white voice more often than not and this identity this mask that he's put on it becomes a mold and it seeps into who he really is and instead of like <clears throat> opening his eyes like spike lee has this ongoing theme in his films of wake up you know wake up and see the world around you cassius would rather just not look at the things that are going on in the world not see his friends that are protesting against the capitalist corporate system that is holding them back he would rather be part of the one percent and make a lot of money in accolades and put on this white voice don on the white voice but there are scenes in the film where he has to code switch and act a bit more black he has to act like he kind of turns into a monkey for entertainment for his white bosses and also the film it shows how you know wanting to gain more wealth and hoard wealth is um, also a way to get women you know the ceo of regal view who is also the ceo of worry free the company that cassius has now been promoted to work for he's played by army hammer and he's like this frat boy who's like charming and like funny and kind of like a little bit chaotic but when you see him in one scene he's just surrounded by all these beautiful women and it shows how money is kind of like a sex magnet in a way how money is like 
you know, you make a lot of money and suddenly you seem to have a lot more sex appeal, you know? And Cassius, he garners all this money and all this cash because he wants to seem more interesting to Detroit, his girlfriend. But she clearly tells him that he was a lot more interesting before he got all this cash and he started to lose sense of who he really is. And this is another um, problem I look he have with like both of the films are the black women in the film. You know, I love Tessa Thompson and Laura Harrier. I think they're both phenomenal actresses and they're so amazing. Like Tessa in this, when Tessa was, um, when it was said that Tessa was going to be in this movie, I was super excited because I love Tessa Thompson. I think she's really cool and amazing. I have loved her since uh, her, her being in Dear White People and I am really obsessed with her. But her character in this film doesn't feel believable to me. You know, Cassius is very much like a wishy-washy kind of guy who's just like go with the flow and he's just like about whatever, you know. And Tessa Thompson's character in this movie, Detroit, she very much seems like a girl who's about her business. She has her own like personal confidence where she doesn't really care and she feels like secure in who she is she's very self-assured and even though she she's an, at some point like she's an artist you know there is a scene where she has an art show and she does don on her own white voice in order to succeed so that people take her art seriously and look at her art even though she does have her own white voice they don't really explore how she got her white voice how she went from she had a job where she was literally, literally spinning signs in the corner to help make ends meet but how does she go from like spinning signs in the corner to having her own art show gallery you know why does she have her own white voice what is the purpose of her white voice where's the origin of her white voice how does she feel about like moving up because she tells Cassius that like all this money is obviously going to his head and that he is selling slave labor at worry free and she tells him that she will leave him if he stays with very free and he does so she starts you know hitting up with a uh, mr studio girl mr steve yun 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 let me get his name steve squeeze the guy's name is squeeze oh i love that squeeze that's hilarious yeah so squeeze is basically an organizer for the co-workers he starts organizing these uh protests so that the protesters so that the people can get paid more and my gosh if detroit stayed with squeeze that would have made more sense it makes more sense to detroit to be with squeeze because they both have like the same like political standings they both have the same ideology in the world and even though at the end of the movie like cash turns down like a hundred million dollar offer to um basically like basically at the end of the movie cash and uh detroit get back together that doesn't make sense okay to me that doesn't make sense i feel like detroit is just kind of like he's she's just his girlfriend we don't learn that much about her and i understand that cassius he is the main character of the film he is the he is the vessel for the film we are following his story and his transformation throughout this movie but i am interested in what detroit has to say because capitalism hurts black women as much as it hurts black men possibly even more because black women you know whenever black women get like any kind of money 
or like get our nails done or get our hair done or get nice clothes we are ragged on people are mad at us you know and for some reason people believe that women simply exist to benefit everyone else but their own selves you know i don't understand why black women get hate for wanting to look nice and wear nice clothes and wanting to like dress it up a little bit you know and i would have much i would have I would have liked to see, I would have liked to have learned a little bit more about Detroit and have her fleshed out a little bit more as a character and understand her more, but she's just his girlfriend, you know, and it just, it's, it sucks. It does, you know, and it's a good movie, but I would have, I would have liked more, you know, it's the same with Lord Harrier's character in Black Klansman, you know, Patrice is a strong black woman she is the president of the student of the black student union and she is phenomenal she's smart she is passionate she's very very pretty and she holds i love how she just puts ron's feet to the fire throughout the whole movie she's like are you here for the liberation of black people my brother i love her and at points at times i felt like her character's a little like black exploitation knee a little bit like i felt like she's a little pam greer at times but there are other times where she's very vulnerable and she's human and when patrice was harassed by that black cop it reminds me how black women aren't sexually harassed more than white women and that is something that goes unnoticed and how black women can end up being a lot more end up having less money than um white women because black women statistically get paid less than white women so in um sorry to bother you it makes sense if we learned a little bit more about detroit because she is also a victim of capitalism possibly more than cassius green and it would have been interesting to learn how she makes money from art and how a lot of times black women's bodies are used for art and science how a lot of times black women's bodies are used for capitalism and commodification but whenever we try to take agency over our bodies we are seen as sluts and we are seen as looking for attention you know people love to like have big butts and big boobs and wide hips the way that black women usually have bodies like that but black women's bodies have historically been put on the auction block and sold into like sex slavery and sold into work sh work in like hard labor and things of the nature and black women work so hard to try and make as much money as white men do and they put their bodies on the line and they are less likely to move up the corporate ladder so it would have been way more interesting to see not way more like it would have been great if detroit was given was shown like a little bit more spotlight on her story and her struggles because she is affected by capitalism the same way the cash screen would be too but she's just kind of pushed the back and that's that's a problem i did have a sorry to bother you and black clansman the thing that i did like about black clansman and like patrice's character is that at the end she very clearly states that she will not be with ron stallworth if he keeps if he stays with the police department and even though ron stallworth wants to change things from the inside he believes he can bring change and make things new and even though those cops like all congratulated him and like high-fived him for like taking down <clears throat> that one racist cop those same cops that high-fived him were the same cops that covered for that racist cop so it doesn't mean that those cops have his back so for him to be naive and think that he should stay with the police department the same the police department that is that may be working with the kkk but they don't say if they truly are then like come on man come on
be real. And there are scenes in the movie where cops showing up where the KKK is going to burn a cross, the KKK retreats and they leave. But it feels more like warning signs. And honestly, I don't think that if the cops arrested those KKK, if the cops knew that the KKK members were going to burn a cross, why don't y'all get out of your cars and look for these these races and arrest them? Why are you just run, driving around with your sirens? It's like warning you, hey, we're here. Don't burn this cross or else we'll have to arrest you, you know, just to let you know. It's... It just seems like a farce, you know, and it just seems like it just seems like a show they're putting on. And Ron thinking that the cops are going to have his back and protect him when obviously those two cops that are like beating him down and harassing him in the streets, those cops will be covered by other cops that he works with. So if that happens to him again, he, Flip may not be there to save his behind. You can't trust one good cop because it's not like that one good cop is going to stand against a whole union of police. Okay? What was I, what was I saying? We were talking about, um, sorry to bother you. Sorry to bother you. Right. Just wanted to get that out there about, um, Black Clansmen. And also with Sorry to Bother You, Cassius has that problem too, right? There's this character played by Omari Hardwick. And we don't learn Omari Hardwick's character's name. He's Mr. Blank. And they literally bleep his name out. And I think that is just symbolism of how, you know, when Cassius really does get promoted, Omari Hardwick is the first person to greet him. And he tells him to only use his white voice. And when Omari Hardwick tells him not to call him Mr. Bleep, we don't know his name we don't know his identity we don't know who he is because his identity has been stripped away and he has given himself so much to these corporate overlords that he's not even a person he's not even his own individual self he is simply a tool he is simply their little doll their little puppet and he exists only for um their you know work he's just their slave and he is in his own personal he isn't his own person. And even though Omar Hardwick's character probably does make a lot of money and he has moved up, he definitely doesn't make as much money as Army Hammer's character does. You know, the CEO of Worry Free. And Cassius, he enters the 1% and he is drawn in with this $100 million offer to... Um, work with Worry Free on this new system that they have where they will have people work for life, live in like hostels and eat disgusting food and all you have to do is work for the rest of your life and never have to worry about rent or getting paid or eating and just work for worry free until you die, you know, signing this lifetime contract. And Steve Lift, who is Army Hammer's character, he offers Cassius a hundred million dollars to become a literal horse for five years and infiltrate the other workers he wants him to be like squeeze but instead he's going to report back to the corporate overlords everything they say that way they can't move forward and make a change so Cassius turns that down and um he decides to go back and he apologize he appears on a lot of television shows and he apologizes and to his he apologizes to his friends and everything and when he talks about what's going on, you know, he thinks that um, 
he th- believes that if he exposes what happened to Worry Free, that they'll plummet. But instead of that, Worry Free makes a lot more money. Heck. I'm sorry, I mean, like, just... What the frick? What the frick? Sorry. I'm sorry. Okay, so, like I was saying... Gosh. Also, apparently, like, in order to turn people into equisapiens, which is basically, like, horse... Like, they're basically turning them into Bojack Horsemen. They have to snort some genetic modifying powder and Cassius kind of snorted that and then at the end of the movie he becomes a horse which was really creepy and really scary to see like this movie sorry to bother you it's a dark comedy but it's also like has aspects of magical realism and science fiction and my goodness that movie was wild it was a wild ride it was also a really great movie you guys should definitely check it out and um, I don't know if there's anything else I want to say about the film. I really do relate heavily to Sorry to Bother You in my own personal life and how like the people, your bosses will pretend like they're your family and they're your friends, but really they make more money than you and they have more authority over than you, over you and they tell you what to do and you have to do what they say or else they can fire you. And those people aren't your friends and your family. They just create this false sense of being friends and family so that you will want to work with them more. So one problem that I did have with uh, Black Klansman is the same problem that Boots Riley had with the movie. You know, he went to social media, uh, I believe in 2008, and he criticized the film saying that to the extent that people of color deal with actual physical attacks and terrorizing due to racism and racist doctrines, we deal with it mostly from the police on a day-to-day basis and not just from white cops, but black cops too. So for Spike to come out with a movie where a story points, uh, where stories points are fabricated in order to make a black cop and his counterpoints look counterparts look like allies in the fight against racism, is really disappointing to put him out like. And he also said that Spike Lee has been a huge influence on me, and Lee is the reason I went to film school. So Lee didn't really respond to that because he didn't feel the need to do it as well, because a lot of Lee's earlier films are a bit more radical and. I guess as Spike Lee has gotten older, he has taken a more moderate approach. There were reports that he had accepted like $300,000 to create films uh, showing the NYPD in a more tasteful manner. And whatever Spike Lee's political standings are on the police, he his films show, his, obviously in Black Klansman, it shows the both, both sides of being radical and moderate. And that however you think you need to change the system, you will always unite for the, uh, like, even though Ron wants to stay with the police department and Patrice thinks he should quit because the police are part of a racist system that hurts black people and that he cannot change it from within and that the only way to take down the white man is to take away his power because he will not give it up willingly and that is how you fight for black liberation. Honestly, at the end of the movie, they come together and unite because there is a cross burning like right near where Ron lives to show that even though Ron, it also shows that even though Ron is a cop and he may stay with the police and continue to be a detective, he will never truly be safe because of the color of his skin and he will always be in danger and there's nothing that he can really do about it. You know, we see with Amud Arbery who was running with his 
um, Ivy League sweater that he was still killed because he was a black person and that no amount of like you know no no matter how much you code twitch or tap dance for the man you are still going to be dealing with prejudice due to this color of your skin you know Cassius did all this work so that he could be accepted in the top one percent and they still use him as a doll they use him as entertainment the ceo wants to put him wants to turn him into a horse to benefit the corporate overlords they don't see you as an individual person they don't see the value within you as a person they see you as a pawn that they can use to benefit themselves and even though ron stallworth may have a few friends within the police force the police force is bigger and stronger than he is himself and there may be another time where he would have been harassed possibly in this imaginary world where the movie continues and doesn't last only two hours long and flip zimmerman isn't going to be there to save him and even if ron is hurt or possibly killed by his boys in blue it's very unlikely that flip will be able to stop them from doing it again one person against all those police officers is not enough and even though boots riley has some criticisms for black Klansmen, he didn't take kindly to black women criticizing his movie on the lazy depiction on detroit and how she is just seen as cash's girlfriend and not as an individual person because uh for argument obviously obviously detroit would have to deal with more detroit would have a lot more to fight against in in the world of like capitalism because black women are seen as sassy and angry and she would have to put on her own white voice in order to